I'm Rhys Jones. And I'm Tom Solston. And this is Beyond Horizons in a Kayak. So let's start a podcast, Thomas, with a, a Kreuzer. Jackly welcome. Uh, Witam serdecznie from Poland. Welcome to all of you. To all our <laughs> listeners out there, exactly. <laughs> Today's podcast is on reasons to be cheerful. Yes, we've actually found enough reasons to be cheerful to fill a, a whole pod, possibly, Thomas, too. We will see how we get on today. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. So surely the first reason to be cheerful is that we have a new podcast to replace the old three men in a kayak. We disappeared uh, in the end with one person not being going to go. it anymore. Yeah, and then yeah. we had ladies on yeah, and it yeah, all got yeah. a bit messy. But it was a great success. You know, we had on average more than a thousand listeners. We had listeners in 35 countries and... You know, I thought that was pretty impressive. Yeah, I'm just hoping that actually you guys out there listening will uh, enjoy half as much as we enjoy making it, because I think it's been uh, it's been fascinating actually, to be honest with you, in terms of oh, this new thing will be great. You yeah. have more platforms: iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. You know, this will be great. Yeah, I'm just also hoping that technology-wise, we'll survive. We're both a little bit like dinosaurs. When it comes to actually sorting out the technology, are you saying men fifty don't really? Have no, 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 no. Move on, move on, <laughs> move on, move on. So first no. of all, winter is uh, almost over, and uh, the big thing for me in terms of reasons to be cheerful is that we can go kayaking again. Exactly, and that will be great, you know. Yeah. The only problem I've got is when I want to go out kayaking, I have this completely irrational, crazy fear. Tell me. Of sharks. 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 And every time I go out there, even though sharks have been around for 450 million years, um, every time I go out there, I keep thinking when I'm on the kayak, there's a shark going to come out of the water and take me out. (laughs) Which is ridiculous, because did you know that there are more coconuts dropping on people's heads that kill them every year, and actually more cows that kill people than sharks? So irrational fear? Completely, completely irrational fear. Yeah. What's more, you're twice as likely to be killed by a vending sheet machine than you are <laughs> from a shark. And coming from you know farming background, no worries about the cows, yeah. don't care about coconuts, uh, and I'm always buying something out of a vending machine. So it's just irrational, completely crazy. But I think it's partly due to the news, yeah. sensationalism around sharks. Yeah. And, you know, whilst a man dying from being electrocuted from a vending machine, you'd never hear, hear of it, you'll hear about every shark attack. And this leads me slightly on to what we really want to do in this podcast. That is, we really want to look past all the sensationalism, past all the sound bites, and we want to try and understand from the information and statistics available mm. there, what is really going on in the world. So I think it's fair to say that both Tom and myself spend an inordinate amount of time Googling things, looking at charts, mm. looking at UN numbers, um, big data, uh, and and we try and work out from there what is really going on. Mm. So, Tom, what 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 reasons do you have to be cheerful at the moment? Well, first of all, it's difficult to be cheerful these days. You have the war in Ukraine, you have climate crisis. Everything you read about is so negative. But as you say, we have digged into figures and we see that there are, on a big perspective, so many positive things going on in the world right now. You have falling fertility rates, you have child mortality rates going down. Uh, One thing I saw, which is very interesting and very good, is that now that we have abundance of food. Um, 
food production is going up. And that is interesting. And that was not always the case. Um, I studied economics a long time ago, and uh, there was always referring to Thomas Malthus, the British economist, who said in the 1700s that there will be mass starvations coming up because at that time, with industrialization, populations were rising and they were rising dramatically. Uh, food production, he said, cannot cope with these rising populations. And that will mean that in some time, there will be not enough food, there will be starvation and populations will go down again. And that's how the world has been for tens of thousands of years. If you look at populations, sizes, you know, going back you know, millennia, you will see that it's been extremely stable. And then something starts to change around 1800s. And these days you have uh, exponential population growth. Today we are 8 billion people. In 2050, 2060, we will be 10 billion people. But still, starvation is going down. Fewer people die of starvation uh, than any time previously in, in, in world history. But what's the game changer there? Is it nitrates, fertilizer? Packaging is it um, you know is it all the genes which they've mm. managed now to change that you know strawberries are larger chickens mm. are bigger mm. what's the game changer there is that well, all the above all, all sorts of things but uh, I think technology is important you have right. new crops you have crops that you can grow in you know drier climates you have um, things as aquaculture you can now grow salmon fish in in containers. Um, you have uh, energy sources, it's possible to transport food, you know, from you know, one part of the world to another part of the world, much easier, cheaper. So in that way, um, you have much more food than you used to have um, just decades ago. So that whole theory that we would not being able to cope with population growth simply hasn't been true. And if you look at um, poverty rates and, and starvation, you will see that um, it's going down and dramatically. So never has so few people died of starvation as, as, as these days. So a cracking reason to be cheerful. Indeed, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> exactly. So my, mine is much the same vein, actually, made mm -hmm. much the same sort of subject. Um, mm -hmm. It's that child mortality continues to fall. Now, I've always been fascinated by a gentleman called Hans Rosling, which is a Swedish sociologist. Unfortunately, he died a few years ago. Um, and he half wrote a book, which was completed afterwards by his son, I believe, mm. called Factfulness. It's if a you, brilliant book. Yeah. You've read it. It's, yeah, it's an amazing yeah. book. And I yeah. really recommend anybody to, to, to have a look at it. Mm. Um, but I remembered well when he challenged Danish journalist Adam Holm um, about the pessimism of newspapers and news outlets and the fact that actually the world is really getting better. Mm. And he cited all the time about child mortality numbers. Uh, he's done a few TED Talks, so if you Google those, they're amazing. And if you look at what child mortality has happened since 1800 to 2016, mm. which I've got the numbers here, mm. they've absolutely plummeted. Mm. More than a century ago, child mortality rates still exceeded 10%, which is huge if you think about it. Mm. And that was even in, in rich countries like US and the UK. But thanks to modern medicine and, and much better public safety in general, mm. the number has been reduced to almost zero in rich countries. And even places like Brazil um, and even parts of Africa, actually, they're doing pretty well on that mm. front. Mm. 
Child deaths per annum um, at the turn of this century now, in the year 2000, according to the Gates Foundation, um, were as high as 10 million still. Mm -hmm. But now, even already, they've come down to below 5 million and are still dropping. Mm. Uh, I think vaccines are a huge game changer in that respect. Mm. But it's very interesting that world child death rates are now um, as low as 5% mm. in, in most of the, of, of, of the developing world. Mm. And in rich world states, um, they're well below 1%. Mm. Um, also, child labor rates are also falling. Mm. Uh, so I think all of that is massively massively positive very positive it's one of those things you don't really hear much about another thing i found out was poverty rates you, you always have the impression that uh, the amount of poor people in the world is, is very high and uh, you know when i think of you know africa i have these images of you know people with big stomachs and you know poverty and you know it's all misery but if you look at the figures, you know, even in Africa, people are much more affluent. People are uh, eating better. They have more education. You know, more people have cars uh, and poverty rates are dropping dramatically. And that happens all over the world. Take China. If you only go back to year 2000 and it's not that long ago, you know, yeah. year 2000, you're talking 23 years, 50 percent of Chinese were poor. And the definition of being poor is having less than two dollars, 30 cents. Uh, per day, so nothing. At that time, 50% of Chinese were poor. Today, it's down to between one and 2%. So it's been eradicated. Isn't and that's in 20 years, that's very impressive. So go China. Yeah, but isn't it also, you know, very interesting in the context of what the population growth has been? Mm. I think we were discussing earlier that the population of the world in 1950, correct me here, mm. but I think it was something like 2.5 billion. Right, yeah. And today we're at eight. So it's not only the fact that, you know, that the poverty has come down, it's mm. also taken into a fact that the fact that the world has become much, much more populous yeah. in terms of where we are. So mm. it makes it even more impressive, you know, how well oh, the world is doing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the really interesting one for me, you know, with, with the Ukraine war going off mm. at the moment and all you hear in the news is war and war and war, mm. is that conflicts are actually on the decline. And they have been for, you know, for a very long time. Mm. Um, the great powers... Um, you know, between 1500 and 2020, mm. um, they were constantly warring. In fact, I read a stat that between, I, th I think it was something like between 1500 and 2020, mm. um, the great power, one of the, two of the great powers were, were at war with each other for mm. more than 50% of the time, which is, it's huge if you think that, half the time, two of the oh, yeah. people yeah. in the world. And in the 20th century, it was particularly brutal with the two world wars and rapidly in rapid succession, yeah. but the post-war period has been hugely peaceful, hugely right. peaceful. And until recently, there hasn't been no war or conflict in Western Europe mm. in about three generations, um, you know, which has, has had devastating effects. Yes, you've had the Balkans, mm. and now you have the Ukraine, but it's mm. all very localized. Mm. And I guess a, lot, a lot, large amount of, of that is down to international organization, including the, I guess, the UN, the EU, you know, all, all leading to a much and also more trade. I think. World. I mean, with yeah. people getting more affluent, we're not that keen on you know going to war. Basically, we have too much to protect. You know, we have our middle class, middle class, you know, comfortable lives, and we don't really want to go to war any longer. No, you know, quite. I, you know, I guess the the anomaly to that is recent conflict in mm. you know between Ukraine and Russia. 
I think we all agree it's it's pointless, mm. awful, horrific war. Um, you know, I don't really understand why it's going on, except I guess Putin mm. saw the Maidan revolution in Ukraine and got scared that that would happen at home to him, and therefore he had to sort of, you know, bring out mm. this crazy well, narrative that, that, that about Nazism. Is it everything? just the madman, or is it, you know, the whole power transition, you know, thing going on, you know, the Western nations are losing, you know, relatively power to other nations, you know, China, um, other countries are becoming more uh, important, richer, and they now want their part of, you know, um, world dominance. So, so um, who knows? I mean, who, who knows? But as you said, war until now, the trend is, you know, massively downwards. Yeah. But if there is a reason with the Ukrainian thing to become cheerful, it's the mm. fact that a, Ukraine has fought massively gallantly and very, very well, mm. you know, and I'm, who knows whether that will change, but actually at the moment they look as if they're doing mm. a very good fist of defending themselves. Mm. Secondly, the fact that the, the Western world has galvanized itself and have actually stuck together. Yeah. Um, I think Putin kind of assumed that we would get bored of it and then all of these people would actually, you know, back away from it. But if you looked at... You know, the largest donors of military aid into yeah. the Ukraine over the last few years. I mean, the US massively, massively leads the pack with 46 billion. Yeah. But actually, the UK comes second at, you know, 5.1 billion. Uh, European Union at 3.3. So I, I think the UK, is a from a population point of view, has done massively well. And then if you look at how much people like Poland have put in, mm. um, Poland have put in $2.5 billion, mm. uh, which is the same amount as actually Germany has done. Mm. Um, so I thought that was very interesting in terms it is. of, it is, yeah. you know, the fact that the Western world has... Has has glued together and has actually yeah. done as well as it has. Well, it did surprise me because I, you know, if you look back to you know uh, Crimea, how easily the Russians, you know, took over that uh, part of Ukraine, and there were not that many sanctions, you know, and Western nations were very, you know, uncertain, you know, what to do and so on, and you know. Um, but now it's a completely different picture. Yeah, from a Norwegian standpoint, um, I also read recently from Reuters that Norway's estimated tax revenue from the oil and gas industry mm. rose by 200% last mm. year mm. to a record 89.3 billion. That's almost three times the previous mm. record. Mm. So if you're Norwegian, I guess that's a really good reason to be cheerful. Mm. Yeah, fill up those yeah. coffers, you know, so yeah. Yeah, but I was a bit <laughs> shocked, if I'm honest with you, when I saw the writers also reporting that of the additional $44 billion that the Norway is, was up, um, year by year, mm. um, it only contributed uh, 0.6 billion military aid to the Ukraine to date, mm. according to the BBC numbers. Mm. Um, your Prime Minister Sture promised, I think, 7.5 billion dollars of aid over the next five years mm. to the Ukraine, so half in military and half in humanitarian. Mm. And whilst at this first glance you think, yeah, wow, on a population mm. per population basis, that's a huge number. It does feel all of a sudden a bit paltry when you compare it to the forty four billion which Norway's actually made from the additional prices in gas and oil. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, come on Norway, you need to be a little bit better, I think, in, in that respect. Yeah. All you listeners in Norway, you know, keep on pushing, you keep know, pushing our government them. to yeah. give more of that money away. Um, Ukrainians deserve it. 
So natural disasters, Tom, you were talking about this earlier as well a little bit. Yeah, that was another thing that surprised me because I thought, you know, <coughs> earthquakes, there will all be earthquakes, there will all be flooding, there will always be, you know, massive deaths, you know, from these accidents. You have uh, fires in California, Australia and so on. Um, but if you look at the figures, if you see the effects on how many people who die from natural disasters, it's actually falling even there. Um, take the floods in Pakistan. Not that many people died compared to similar floods, you know, previous in history. The same with um, the earthquake in Turkey, Syria, that happened just recently. Yes, people died. Uh, many people died because there were, you know, buildings made uh, not according to modern standards. But if you look back in time, if you look at uh, figures from the early 19th century, for example, you see that deaths from earthquakes are massively higher than uh, what you've seen in, in, in recent decades. And again, so, it's a function, I, I would guess, of people getting out of poverty, isn't it? Because, you know, we, we yeah. hear about climate change and clearly yeah. it's happening. And, yeah, yeah. You know, it's terrible that we're having worse storms and, and these floodings are happening. Yeah. But as you say, if you look at the facts, the number of people dying are actually coming down almost Absolutely. Every year. So you have better buildings, you have new technologies. It's now possible to inform people, you know, on phones and so on, that flood is coming, get away. Uh, so we have all these things that prepare people, you know, for, yeah. for, for accidents and, and natural disasters. Yeah. Now then, I'm going to blow your mind away here. Okay, I've tell got me. A massively <laughs> interesting one. How. Could you ever make something to be cheerful from plastic pollution? I, th I think with great difficulty, wouldn't you agree? Because that must be a disastrous area. Everything I've seen, all the figures I've seen on that area is that plastic manufacturing and waste is going up dramatically. It's, it's a horror. Now, so anything positive yeah, on, on that front? Hugely positive. Really? I'll come Tell on me. to it. I'll come <laughs> on to it. So, what I recently looked at was a pictorial which was done by a Luis Lugas Vecasano. I think I'm saying his right name right. They're probably butchering it. <laughs> um, there was a group of guys who actually, uh, by uh, under a, a gentleman called Mr. Meyer, Lorenz Meyer, and they published recently, literally in the last couple of weeks, um, a, a, a big report about uh, who are the highest ocean plastic waste polluters in the world. And he looked at all the rivers in the world going out into the sea and actually managed to yeah. see how much plastic is coming out of all these rivers oh, yeah. into the sea. And they produced it in, I think it was science.org, mm. the, the publication. And what was seriously, seriously interesting what was out of the, about a billion metric tons in a year of plastic which goes into the sea. And that's out of a total of 67 billion tons of plastic. Are actually produced every year, and out of that, um, the amount which ends up in the sea is one billion metric tons. Bear with me; I'm trying to get the numbers right. So, eighty-three percent of all that billion tons is coming from ten countries. Eight out of ten. So 17% countries. Yeah, so 17% of that yeah. is all the others. Okay. And 83% of the 1 billion is actually coming from 10 countries. Right. And, is it and the you would not believe in the world. No, like you'd not no. believe who, who the top three are. Okay. Number one is Philippines, which is a third of the total yeah. pollution with a population of what? 100 million people? 100 million, about that. Yeah. 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 
Number two is India, which is understandable because they've got 1.4 billion people and growing, and also it's particularly poor. Number three, which really surprised me, was Malaysia. Malaysia, okay. With a population of what, 33-ish million people? So between those three countries, they produce literally half. Now, the thing I thought was, whoa, 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 where's yeah, China? Yeah, yeah. And when I looked through the numbers, I actually Googled the numbers back in yeah. two decades ago, and China at the time was th- polluting three times more than anyone else. They were like way ahead of the game in terms of how much they were polluting. But the good news, and the reason to be cheerful, yeah. is twofold. A, China has really cleaned up its act. Right. It currently only pollutes something like 6 to 7% of, of the plastic going into the seas from China or from Chinese rivers. Mm-hmm. The second reason to be really cheerful, I think, is that if we could concentrate our education on those 10 countries, right. then we could eradicate a large amount of the pollution, of the, of the plastic pollution going into the sea. That's a reason to be positive. And I thought that was a huge yeah. reason to be positive. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Fascinating fact, yeah. I, I, I didn't know that. I always thought the Chinese were worse in class, you know. But, uh, but again, go China. I'm, I'm very happy. So if any Chinese, you know, listeners of yours out there, you know, keep on, you know, uh, doing all the progress that you are doing. So on a lighter note, um, being short and a little bit porky, um, <laughs> it made me very happy that um, we are, as humanity, getting much, much taller Okay. You can see from my two boys, actually, they're both of us six foot and massive. <laughs> they made me look very small. Um, interesting fact that the tallest people in the world at the moment are Dutchmen. Um, now, they have an average height of 182.5 centimetres. And strangely, milk was cited as being the key growth factor there. Right. As before the Second World War, Dutch males were much smaller than Americans. But post-1950, US milk consumption absolutely plummeted, whilst Netherlands actually rose. Right. And... And what the other side of the scale was also equally interesting, again, stupid facts, probably not much to be cheerful about, but more, more interesting facts, was that um, Japanese 18-year-old males average 160 centimetres in the 1900s, um, but now average 172.6 centimetres in 2020. Interesting. Isn't interesting. that interesting? That is. All that down is. to better nutrition, I guess. That oh, is yeah, a reason yeah, to be cheerful, yeah. I think. Yeah. So I guess when your mother said, you know, drink up your milk, it was, you know, uh, she was yeah. right, you know. She wanted you to get taller, yeah. right? Yeah. And even people like me are getting more beautiful. You know, we're getting fixed teeth, clear skin, etc. Isn't so, that good? Yeah, for me personally, the other reason which made me massively cheerful this week was, mm. you know, you read about all these languages disappearing in the world. And I always get so sad about it. Yeah, yeah, but there are still yeah. over 6,000 languages in the world. Right. That's a colossal number if you think about it. The downside, of course, is that I guess few people speak each of the, of, of the smaller languages and the more endangered languages. Mm-hmm. But at least today, you know, there are ways today of recording these, yeah. of keeping them for posterity. Um, so many languages are currently endangered. Endangered, and there's so many that actually Welsh, which is my native language, is in the top seven percent. Would you believe when it comes to the number of people speaking the language? All right, yeah, brilliant. Go Wales, yeah. I say, yeah. Even yeah. better, think, yeah. Duolingo has come out with numbers suggesting that there are about 1.62 million people using the app to learn Welsh, as against to about 538,000 people who actually speak Welsh. Yeah. fluently on a day-to-day basis oh, so reasons to be cheerful oh again another reason huh yeah hmm. so twice as many people learning language as actually 
are speaking it. Yeah, and then oh, if you look at Scots Gaelic, yeah. if you want to get in, down that rabbit hole, then there's actually 400,000 people learning Scots Gaelic on Duolingo, <coughs> which is 10 times the number of those who speak the language day to day. Wow. So in conclusion, we really do have a myriad of reasons to be cheerful. Um, you know, and, and, and the other thing I've learned is that ultimately, <coughs> when you look at things being very bad, mm. as the press keeps basically putting them out there, yeah. they're not quite as bad as anybody ever thinks. True. Consequently, when you know things are full of hubris, yeah. they're also not quite as good as everybody ever thinks. So yeah. I, I think we have a lot of things to be cheerful. And you know what the best thing of all, Thomas, is about things to be cheerful? Tell me. Better podcasts. All right. That's a good one. Huh? So we live longer lives. More people are being vaccinated. Fewer people die in poverty. And we have a new podcast, which is incredibly good. On that happy note, <laughs> you have a good day. <laughs>